welcome to a very special edition of Louisiana's Got Talent, a podcast brought to you by the Board of Regents. I'm Commissioner Kim hunter Commissioner of Higher Education for the state of Louisiana. Uh, we are on the road again, but not that far on the road. Uh, we're here at the Governor's Mansion with Governor John Bell Edwards. Governor, thank you for joining us. Commissioner, it's great to be with you. Uh, I think this may be a first for me to be on the podcast. I'm not sure, but I know I haven't done it uh, very much, but I'm excited to be on this one. Well, thank you so much. Um, since uh, you are preparing to wrap up uh, your tenure as governor, we wanted to talk a bit about accomplishments, work still ahead in higher education and education mm -hmm. in general. Sure. So when you started uh Oath of office uh, the first time, $2 billion plus deficit, challenges in our state. Um, and you had obviously a list of, of, of goals for Louisiana. How did you do? What did you what would you say about what you're proud of as you think back? You know, I'm I'm really proud of work that we collectively have done, and I say we because um, it's, it was hard and difficult, uh, challenging. It took a lot of sessions and special sessions, but ultimately we were able to work with the legislature to score significant wins, not for me and not for my administration, but for the state of Louisiana. Um, and I'm proud of that. And it's not as if we don't have challenges today. Um, but, you know, I think every everyone is taught that you're supposed to leave something better than you found it. I am convinced here um, less than three months before I leave office that I will be leaving the state better than I found it in many very significant ways. Uh, the budget is chief among them, but if we had just balanced the budget so that we didn't have a deficit, but we did it through cuts, I wouldn't be proud of that. Right. Because the reason I ran for governor is we had already cut our education more than any other state in the nation. So I was looking to stabilize our budget situation, grow revenue over time, uh, and make significant uh, and critical investments in our priorities like education, healthcare. We've been able to do that. And, and not only have we done that, the economy has really grown. Uh, and we're going to leave not just a balanced budget, but a robust set of investments within that budget, some of the highest ever, and I think we're going to talk some specifically related to higher ed, but we're going to leave more than $3.2 billion in st two state savings accounts. I mean, the state has never had anywhere. The budget stabilization fund, the rainy day fund, by itself is the highest it's ever been right. at a billion dollars, but there's $2.2 billion in a revenue stabilization fund that didn't even exist until 2016. So I'm proud of all of, all of that um, and, and really proud because the number one reason I ran for governor was because we had disinvested in higher education more than any other state right. over the, the previous several years. And I knew I wanted to get off of that road. I didn't trust anyone else saying they were going to run for governor to do it. Um, and so I'm very pleased to read a report to you, and we're going to get into some of the numbers pretty soon. We've done that to a, a very substantial degree, um, and and I know that our state is in a better place for it, um, and and more opportunity, more prosperity, both now and in the future, especially as we work through. Uh, our master plan that we're going to talk about in just a minute. Well, you know, it's one of my favorite yeah, subjects. Exactly. So we have to talk about the master plan. I appreciate the fact that uh, you've been fully bought into it. You don't need notes to talk about it. You, know, you understand the importance of education, moving people from poverty to prosperity. 
Talk to me a little bit about particularly your education vision for Louisiana and where are we in terms of realizing that vision today? So we're well on the way. You never achieve all of your goals. And if you do, you weren't ambitious enough. Uh, and then the goals that you work on, it's not as if, I mean, I'm governor and that's a wonderful position and it is powerful, but you're not king. You don't get to issue decrees and make things happen. And right. so you have to work uh, with with the, the framework that you're given, with the legislature, with other stakeholders, with our higher education system boards, the Board of Regents and so forth. But overall, I feel very good. I mean, um, I was so concerned about our disinvestment in higher education and that we were basically going to be chasing our best talent out of Louisiana um, if they wanted to go to a higher ed institution that was adequately funded and had the best faculty and, and did robust research, had facilities that were safe and, and welcoming and, 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 and uh, you know, appropriate for learning and all that sort of stuff. I was afraid that they were going to leave. And, and I know you... you and over several years, um, starting in 2008, we went from a funding f- mix in Louisiana where 70% of the funding for higher ed came from the state and 30% from the student and the student's family uh, via tuition and fees to exactly the opposite. Right. And so then it was up to the family and the student to come up with 70% of a cost that greatly increased because they increased tuition in order to make up so, so it was. We were going to be um, literally chasing out so many people, some who had financial means and others who didn't. And I just didn't believe that was in our best interest if we were going to try to uh, increase opportunity and prosperity here, uh, uh, recruit investment uh, in our state to create good jobs and careers. You don't do that if you don't have a workforce. Right. And, and, and if you can't satisfy the CEO of a company that should he or she make that multi-hundred million dollar or multi-billion dollar investment in your state, that they're going to have the workforce that they need to be successful, they're not coming. That's right. So this was a dead-end street. Uh, I believed it. I know you believed it. And we were ultimately able to convince enough of the legislature uh, as well that we really have turned that around with increased investments, not just not just once or twice, but they have literally been sustained. The first year we stabilized. Right. And then from that point, we've been growing. Um, and this most recent year, we actually added more in recurring funding and in one-time funding for higher education than perhaps has ever happened. Um, and again, not just money for the systems and the universities and our community colleges to play with, but targeted to very specific, important initiatives um, like the MJ Foster uh, program, like um, campus safety, oh, campus safety, Go text, textbook affordability, Go Grants. You know, I, I was I was appalled that, and, and look, I'm, I support the TOPS program. It's over three hundred million dollars a year. But when I became governor, need-based aid for higher education was very paltry. And what that meant was we had qualified students out there who came from families that couldn't afford it. Well, they weren't going to be coming That's right. uh, to, uh, to our higher education institutions. Uh, I think we've increased uh, go-grant funding availability on an uh, annual basis this year's maybe 140% of what it was. Uh, when I became governor, we fully funded the TOPS program. But, uh, you know, other specific initiatives, too, um, uh, the Title IX 
uh, funding. We, we've greatly increased, um, and you mentioned campus safety. And all of that has to work together. And you know that we've, we've done more in terms of research. We've done, we've done more in terms of deferred maintenance. You've got to go in and you've got to fix the roofs and you've got to paint the buildings and you've got to make sure the elevators work and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and, and as you know, every year, we run a surplus since I've been governor, one third of the discretionary surplus, we've asked the legislature to put towards deferred maintenance. Right. They didn't always do it in right. that amount, right. but we have gotten much more deferred maintenance as a result of that. So many accomplishments, a budget that stabilized, a governor who was focused on education. What did we not accomplish? Well, look, I, uh, I wanted to get back, not to not to the 70-30, but I wanted to get to 50-50. I think that uh, that is a good uh, mix of funding for higher education so that 50% comes from the state, 50% from the family uh, and the student. Uh, we didn't quite get there, but as you know, uh, one of the things that we did as we increased the state general fund support for higher education, we really tamped down on tuition increases. Right. So we have made uh, especially in these inflationary times, we've made uh, higher education more affordable. The funding mix is, is much more in line with what it should be. Um, other things, um, it's not that we haven't accomplished them, we just haven't accomplished them yet. You know, our master plan for higher education, for example, we want 60% of our working age adults to have a high value post-secondary credential degree by 2030. Right. Well, it's not 2030 yet. Nope. Uh, but we're doing strategic things. Uh, the MJ Foster program, for example, $10.5 million a year, and it has been wildly successful. Uh, some other things that I'm going to talk about uh, in just a minute. Um, but if it's part of that workforce that we were talking about. And so you've got adults who maybe they got some credits, but they didn't get a degree or Maybe they got a degree or some sort of a, of a, a skill certification, but that job is no longer in demand. Right. We need to get them back, train them for a second career where they can make a lot more money, support themselves, support their, their families. And then and so so it's some of this stuff isn't that we haven't accomplished it. We just haven't accomplished it yet. Yes, we have the momentum. That's right. We're moving. So you mentioned uh, MJ Foster. Mm -hmm. Uh, notice the best of Governor uh, yeah. Foster is here in the mansion. So uh, it is adult financial aid, the state's first commitment to adult financial aid, something that you supported. You signed into law, as you mentioned, $10.5 million. So we are producing our first report on MJ Foster. So I want to read some of the statistics to you from year one. Almost 1,200 students receive funds to support their education. 80% of the students are women. Almost half are African-American, most of them 30 years or older, 60% earn less than $30,000 a year. While many are still in their studies, 168 have already completed their credential. Yeah. What's your reaction? Um, it's working as designed, and it's, it's going to continue to get better because we're going to learn more about how to reach more uh, of these adults and get them to come back. Um, I think success begets success. So every time you have someone who comes back as an adult and really improves their earning uh, potential, 
uh, not just their potential, but what they're actually earning as a result. And they go out and tell that story. They're right. gonna, people can say, okay, now how did you do that? Right. How can I participate in that? Um, and so success begets success, and, and that's exactly what we have to do. That is a program that is tailor-made to achieving that master plan. Exactly. Um, and it's $10.5 million every year. So it, there's a fund, and, and we're, we're going to be putting uh, – um, the ten and a half million dollars up uh, for that, and so that I mean, it's just uh, I'm I'm excited about that. It's exactly what we have to be doing in Louisiana, and obviously we are doing it. Uh, it's working, and it's only going to get better. So you mentioned uh, not just your commitment to education, but your ability and our ability to get the the legislature to mm -hmm. buy in. Talk to me about as we transition. How do we get more champions and advocates for education, more people pursuing education, and more leaders and policymakers investing in education? Well, um, oddly enough, uh, everyone, including legislators and other stakeholders, have to be educated themselves right. on how education really does expand opportunity and prosperity, um, how having educated and skilled citizenry uh, really is an essential component if you're going to grow your economy, if you're going to secure the investments necessary for economic uh, development uh, and diversification. Um, and, and introducing legislators to the CEOs that I meet with, meet with weekly. Um, and, and look, they, from a distance, they know what your tax rates are. They know what your infrastructure looks like and all of this sort of stuff. And, and they may have some requests on some incentives, but more and more, especially with a tight labor market around the country uh, and every state moving in the direction that we're talking right. about. So it isn't like we're the only ones. Right. If we're not creating a workforce here that that uh, satisfies these decision makers, quite simply, they're not coming. Um, and and it isn't like you just don't grow. They're also not going to be investing money to modernize facilities they already have here. Right. And so it is the right thing to do for all of those reasons. And it more than pays for itself because, yeah, it's wonderful if someone goes from making $30,000 to $60,000 because they went through the MJ Foster program. And those numbers are absolutely possible, by the way. Right. Well, that $60,000 salary is going to mean that you get more taxes from that individual, right. whether it's income taxes or whether it's um, uh, sales taxes or whatever. And, and But it also makes it more likely that the economy as a whole is, is going to grow. And on the other side of things, you you're, have less costs associated with your citizenry um, on whether it is social services right. or, or nutri Correction. nutrition, I mean, yeah, housing. You, it, it's all of it. So it, it pays for itself. And I think having those conversations uh, with legislators, uh, introducing them to decision makers so that they can confirm that what I just said is, is true. Look, we, we just got a $1.2 billion solar manufacturing facility, final investment decision. We had a, a groundbreaking down in, in uh, Iberia Parish recently. Uh, we negotiated extensively. At the end of the day, landing that project that's going to have hundreds and hundreds of temporary construction jobs, hundreds and hundreds more uh, permanent jobs, direct, and then even more indirect, 
it didn't come down to infrastructure or incentives. They wanted to know, are we going to be able to have all the engineers that we need? Uh, are we going to have the people with the technical degrees? Mm -hmm. You know, because uh, they have this formula. And, and for every engineer uh, that has a four-year degree, they know they're going to have to have four or five people with two-year degrees. Right. And then they're going to have the other people, they don't have to have a degree, but they got to have a skill That's certification. Skills. That's degree. right. And so we, we had to satisfy them that their $1.2 billion investment here would be uh, uh, wise because we could meet their workforce needs. Well, if you're not funding education, if you're not bringing the adults back into the system, you're not able to make uh, those commitments and deliver, and, and things are going to drive up. So making sure legislators know that um, is really important. Look, I, I remember... And there was a time um, when I was still in the legislature, not that long ago, 10, 11 years ago, the discussion was, which institutions are we going to close? Right. You know, um, you know, we shouldn't have uh, as many uh, degree offerings around the state because, because the focus was all on saving money. And every single year, higher ed started with a budget cut relative to the previous year and typically got one in the middle of the year. Multiple and so, cuts. Yeah, and so you ended up with presidents of universities and chancellors of community colleges. They're spending their time trying to figure out how to make the enterprise run, right. not how to make the enterprise better, right. not how to get better faculty, not how to recruit students. And so just making sure people understand that, uh, I think, is just critically important. So you said you ran for governor because you wanted to stop the cuts. Mm -hmm. um, I know your mother had great influence uh, was a nurse, catechism teacher, your wife, an educator, your daughter is in higher education. Talk to me about foundationally as a young child and growing up, what did you know about the value of education? Well, I, I have been tremendously blessed beyond anything that I deserve, quite frankly. Um, I wouldn't trade when, where, how I grew up. The, the the public schools I went to in Amy, I went to Amy Elementary, I went to Westside Middle School, I went to Amy High School. Yeah. Um, and and that public school education, I know now, more than adequately prepared me to um, go to West Point, and which was at the time the number one rated public institution of higher education anywhere in the country. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not exceptionally bright and gifted. But I, I, was, I was the beneficiary of a really solid education. Um, and, and I just knew from interacting with my teachers and, and had a really diverse set of teachers, um, you know, over the, the 12 years that I was in public school there in Amy, half of my teachers were black, half were white, you know, male and female. I, I knew at the time, and, and, I, and I don't know, why this was. I knew at the time that I was blessed. Huh. I really did. And, and uh, um, really enjoyed all of that. By the way, um, obviously, I, I have not attended an HBCU, but about half the people who taught me had. Yeah. And so I feel like yeah. Southern, and to a much smaller extent, Grambling, because we had one or two, uh, you know, I'm from South Louisiana. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of people who lived in Grambling. You're already getting in trouble but, for that, but, but I'm going to go. I, I developed a real appreciation for the HBCUs, yeah. even though I, I never attended one, because without them, 
half of my teachers, they would not have been my teacher. Right. 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 And so, and my, but my family reinforced that as yeah. well. Um, you know, my mother and my father, uh, they were both college educated. Uh, Mama, rich nurse. Papa was a, a lawyer who had graduated from LSU. And it was just, we knew. And, and look, there were, there were eight children in my family. Yeah. Not all of us went to college. But there were certain people that had an interest to what it could have been plumbing or it could have been uh, boiler making, whatever. And if that's what their interest was, they were absolutely encouraged, you know, you go pursue that. But if you had the ability academically and you you were interested in going to college, you were going to go to college. I mean, that it was it was just that simple. Um, so it was it was a great way to, to be raised. And, and my my folks set all the right examples. That's awesome. It's special to grow up feeling that you're blessed. So uh, as we wrap this up, I'm curious, what are you optimistic about as you move on? Um, and what what are you concerned about? Well, you know, this is going to be odd, but really the same thing. I'm optimistic and I'm, and I'm concerned. Um, it would not take much in this political environment for the next governor, the next legislature to sort of relearn the same very painful lessons that, that we learned not that long ago that created those budget deficits and the disinvestment in higher education and in every other um, aspect of education and health care and other critical priorities. Um, so I'm, I'm really optimistic that that people will see how much better off we are today um, and, and not that they will choose to do everything that I've done, but generally speaking, there will not be a, a, um, a course correction where we, we go 180 degrees away from it right. either. Um, and so my concern is that some will come in and that's just exactly what they're going to want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that that would not be good for us um, because if we truly want to expand opportunity and prosperity, if we want to see the impact that quality education can have, you've got to maintain those investments for a generation. And then it becomes self-evident. Right. Um, that's why you have certain states that's right. like North Carolina and others. They would never think of disinvesting in higher because they have achieved so much. Well, we can do that too. Right. And I know you're a higher education leader, um, but the degree to which your graduates have success and whether someone ever enters one of your institutions, much less graduates, is determined in large part what happens to them when they're two, three, four, five years old. So we have record amounts of state general fund for support, uh, example, supporting uh, early childhood education this year. And so we have uh, more kids who are attending. We have better education for them, and we're paying the, 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 those early education uh, teachers better as well. And we've got to sustain that for a generation. And when we do, we're going to find out that we can finally achieve the educational outcomes that we've always dreamed of but never got there because funding for education in Louisiana has been a yo-yo. Right. You can't do that. You've got, to, you've got to sustain it. Right. Um, and, and I'm really optimistic that that leadership in Louisiana is going to finally understand that and we will prioritize it. And, of course, if you prioritize this, you've got to fund it. If you don't fund it, it isn't a priority. And you cannot invest money you do not have. Right. So I'm imploring people to understand all of that and don't make the same mistakes 
uh, that was made in Louisiana back in 2008 through 2015. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask, what's yeah. next for John Bell besides enjoying a future grandbaby? Uh, well, Donna and I are very excited about that. That happens in January, just a few days before oh. uh, we leave office. Uh, we're going home to Tanchville Parish, North Tanchville Parish. I'm a, I'm a lawyer uh, by profession, so I'll practice law and look for other opportunities. Uh, as well. Donna is going to be very busy because she's going to continue to do work um, for the uh, prevention of human sex trafficking, um, yes. and she's going to do that uh, internationally. She's oh, been asked to join excellent. a board of the Santa Marta Group, which is run by Cardinal Vincent Nichols out of the UK, yeah. uh, and he's the Pope's point person on human trafficking around the globe. And so uh, oh. he caught wind of some of the things Donna was doing here, so, so she'll be busy with that. We'll both be busy being grandparents, uh, but I am I am a little too young and way too poor to retire. I will, <laughs> I will be working in Tashville Parish. Well, we look forward to uh, seeing you. But I want to say on behalf of all of our students and our institutions and our presidents and our boards, thank you, Governor, for your commitment to education for backing up your words with action and for helping to make our state better. I know that it has been a challenge for you and hurricanes and pandemics and fire and saltwater intrusion, you name it. But you've been a steady, committed leader and we're grateful. Well, we've had a great team and you've been a, a tremendous leader on that team as well. Um, and it really did take all of us yes. uh, to, to make it happen. Um, and really part of the key to success going forward will be for leaders such as yourself to continue to um, communicate a really strong vision for what our state is and can be, but through um, better educational outcomes at all levels. And so I thank you for, for your tremendous work here in Louisiana and, and what you're going to continue to do in Louisiana, even after I'm back in Tashville Parish trying to scratch out a living somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, we have a shared vision of prosperity for our state and a love for our state. So just so grateful. Thank you so much for joining this podcast. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you. So Louisiana's Got Talent is a monthly podcast produced by Louisiana Board of Regents. To learn more about our work here at Regents, please visit www.laregents.edu or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And thank you for joining us.